Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. The information in this podcast is provided for education and research information only. It is not a substitute for professional health advice. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Kick Pregnancy Podcast. I'm obstetrician, Dr. Patrick Maloney. And I'm Bridget Maloney, and thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to be talking about panic calls in pregnancy. What? Uh, what are those? I've ne- <laughs> never heard of such a thing. These are the calls that I hear Pat get at, like, what, what's the most common time you reckon people call you? Sunday night. Sunday night. I was just going to say, I think it's about sort of anywhere between 5 p.m. onwards on a Sunday night. Yeah. And, and it sounds like I'm complaining I'm not, but Friday afternoon people ring because they don't want to ring you on the weekend. Yes. Uh, which is kind and thoughtful and much appreciated. But Sunday night seems to be this the time when wacky stuff happens. Yeah. All right. So in this episode, we're going to talk to you about all the everyday accidents uh, that if they happen in pregnancy, it might cause you to panic. Sure. And you need to know which ones are the ones that are bad on or the ones that are more serious and you need to have some advice. Correct. Good. All right. Uh, so you'll learn the different types of common accidents because there, there seems to be a theme I found out. Yep. Whether a pregnant woman is more prone to accidents. Yep. Some ways your body protects your baby. Accidental exposures to chemicals, accidentally eating something potentially harmful, yeah. and exposures to infections. Perfect. Good. Um, Pat, I do want to read something from someone first. Excellent. All right. So this is just in our comments on our Insta. I absolutely loved your podcast during my pregnancy last year. When I was told I was getting induced at 37 weeks, I think I listened to your IUGR, an induction episode, three times each. It really helped me get in the mind space for a calm and enjoyable birth. I love the way you explain things based on research and dive into crit- to the critique to critique the studies, but in a very clear way for the average mum to be. Wow. I don't think anyone's average. <laughs> no one's average. That is a good uh, feedback, though. Yeah. Uh, fantastic. We get people saying that they listen to episodes again and again and again, um, and also, like, start at the start, go all the way through, and then go back and start at the start and go all the way through again. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> Thank I you. Love I love it. Thank you for doing that. That's awesome. Good. All right, so... First, let's talk also about what, we, what we're not really talking about or addressing in this podcast. Oh, well, I think we're talking about everyday things that might happen. We're not talking about obstetric complications today. Yeah. yeah. We're both on the same page. So firstly, how is the baby protected? Well, the baby is quite well protected from things like external trauma, but at the start. Okay, so the early pregnancy is right down underneath the pubic bone, deep in the bony pelvis, where... It's protected from all but the most severe trauma. But later on, when the pregnancy starts to peak up above the top of the pelvic brim, around about the time other people can tell you're pregnant, 
then uh, there's a lot of um, you know potential for external trauma from something serious like car accident mm. to harm the baby. And we're definitely going to get to car accidents because they're more common. Are they more common, or is it just no, is it just me? Yeah, because no. <laughs> in every single one of my pregnancies, mm. I had a very minor car accident. Yeah, often it was well in all of them, it was me running into things. Sure. Like I ran into a a keep clear sign that had been there, you know, in our street for as long as I'd been there. At the end of our street. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember that yep. well. And then I ran into a tree, um, and then I reversed into a car. Yeah. Um, and I oh, sideswipe someone. Sure. Yep. So this is this comes down to that old debate about whether preggy brain is a real thing. You know, they talk call it mm. preggy preggy brain. It's probably a real thing, but it's probably probably not the pregnancy affecting mental function. It's it's just another big thing on your plate. Yeah. So everybody underperforms mentally when they're really tired. Well, who's as tired as a as a as a woman at ten, 10 weeks of pregnancy. Yeah. Not everyone pregnant is just sitting around thinking about that all day. Lots of people got other kids and a job and they feel tired and they're spewing all the time. Well, that person is going not going to be on top of their game. Yeah. 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 I, I think for me that was definitely the case. The first accident that I had, I was actually working still and it was very late in the pregnancy and I just – I, I was rushing to get somewhere yeah, and I course. needed to be there and I was also, you know, really uncomfortable. So you drove over a sign. That's okay. <laughs> it's fine. So we're talking about accidents, but we're also talking about those calls, Pat, that we hear a lot of um, when, you know, you've been somewhere and you've been exposed to something. So yeah. are women more, pregnant women, more prone to infection? Yeah, I think that's a good question. Um, th- there might be some... Mm, immunological reasons why they're perhaps more prone to infection. I, I tend to think that we're probably not. That, that's probably not a really important effect. Like more, are they more likely to catch something in the first place? Maybe, maybe not. But they're certainly more likely to suffer a severe consequence for, from catching that thing. Mm. Um, so, if you look at some of the really serious viral infections of pregnancy, like CMV and rubella, you know, those are conditions that are pretty harm, you know, not not terribly harmful at all unless you're pregnant. Right. And even something like salmonella. You know, if I got salmonella, um, I'd be sick. But the pregnant woman is so sick. Yeah, right. Yeah. So there's often special consequences, which are, which are often fetal consequences, or there's just a worse version of the, of the same disease, or there's some... Or, or there are some really serious consequences of things like uh, seasonal flu and COVID and COVID infection, which relate to the fact that if you get severe bilateral pneumonia from the flu, and your and your uh, uh, term belly is compressing your lungs, then that affects your recovery quite seriously could potentially affect your recovery quite seriously and the effectiveness of standard interventions and people's performance in ICU and their chances of surviving an arrest and all sorts of really serious stuff, um, which is one of the reasons why we were so super concerned about pregnant women in the early in the early days of the uh, pandemic. That makes sense. Some other calls we get at – well, we get – you get them. I, I'm just listening on the side sometimes, but you get them um, – I did have a couple of falls um, during my pregnancy, sure. and I know that this is a call that you often get from people mm-hmm. to do with falls or to do with banging themselves or something. Are women 
who are pregnant more accident prone? I think that's likely to be yes, and I would I would explain that just by you know changes in centre of gravity might be might have chronic back pain. Uh, you can't see your feet. Mm-hmm. Oh, in, that was in, a big one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, we see people who've fallen over on wet wet steps and gravel driveways and things like that that probably you'd guess wouldn't would be way less likely to have happened if they weren't pregnant. It feels so undignified when you're pregnant and you fall over. Yes, and then a crowd forms oh around God, you. Oh my God, it is so yeah. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, I really think things like that do need to be checked out. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, it really takes the forces of a car accident to cause uh, like a placental abruption where the placenta comes loose um, off the wall of the uterus and the baby's cut off from their oxygen supply. But, um, you know, most obstetricians have seen or heard of uh, of a, a woman having severe consequences from relatively minor minor trauma in advanced pregnancy. Yeah. Yeah. We would certainly take it seriously. So if a, if a patient contacted us at 39 weeks and said they'd 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 fallen heavily, we would assess that person in the hospital. Yeah, I think I was pretty stupid one time in in one of the pregnancies and I did have a big fall. This is this is the first pregnancies. I'm sure if it was with you, we'd have yeah, none well, of that yeah, out. Yeah, marry an obstetrician. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I fell over and I landed really hard on my butt and um, I just sort of was so embarrassed. I got up and said, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. But I think that probably should have been no, assessed. I think if someone if someone calls, especially towards the end, you know, um, we, we would um, we would take that seriously and assess that person in, in the hospital, on the birth suite, in the hospital emergency department, somewhere like that. I think we want, we really want to know at least that the baby looks okay on a scan, that the that fetal heart is beating, and that there's no evidence of bleeding from the placenta. Yeah. Now we talked a little bit about motor cars, all right, already. So yep. um, one thing that came up in our uh, Grow My Baby course in yes. the Facebook community was um, people feeling bad or uncomfortable or whatever wearing seatbelts. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think about seatbelts? You got to wear a seatbelt. It's essential, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, it's possible to be injured in pregnancy by the seatbelt. Mm. Um, but if you're in a serious car accident, you're much more likely to have a, a life-changing or fatal injury from not wearing a seatbelt. I think that argument is closed. Yeah. yeah. And look, you can find a way to make it comfortable, mm. like it's just in between your breasts and make sure and that right the, under the bump. right under the bump. Yep. Good. All right. So we've talked about, you know, some ideas about what the panic calls might be. Yeah. We're going to take a break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the actual calls that you get. Good. Good. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant, in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you... 
come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are. Welcome back. We're talking about uh, injuries, non-obstetric injuries, things that happen when you're pregnant. Yeah. Like belly burns. Yeah. Now, you've had people call you uh, because they've been doing stupid things like ironing. It's the iron. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who irons? <laughs> so, uh, the iron isn't too close to you. You're too close to the iron. Yeah. I think it's holding the iron in the usual spot and... Uh, and burning yourself. And are we worried for the baby or for the mum if that happens? Uh, I've seen two, like there were significant burns. Wow. That needed like a burns, you know, assessment from a burns expert. Um, and in a great big long line as the as the iron shot passed. Oh, my God. Um, but uh, but not the baby. The baby's a fair way away from the skin. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's not funny. They, that that's, something, that's an injury you really don't want to give yourself. And it's um, yeah, all the evidence you need to give the ironing away, about yeah. 20 weeks. 20 weeks. <laughs> or at all. like Full stop, forever. Yeah, yeah forever. Um, yes, so uh, just call your health provider or... What, to do your ironing? No. <laughs> do not do not do, do, not that. do that. You would have no luck getting Pat doing your ironing. Uh, no, like, is that a call to your health provider? Yeah, hospital emergency department, for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, yeah, after hours. Yeah, so, the, so that's like any, anyone getting a burn of that magnitude. But it happens in pregnancy because you've forgotten where your body starts and ends. Yeah. Yeah. All right, another one. Like, we live in... Uh, regional Victoria. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of rural patients. Yep. We know that people are, you know, spraying chemicals on their farm or sure. something like that. Yep. So many of those patients call in and say, I think I've been exposed to, I don't know my farming terms, but like crop dusting or something. Sure. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that? Well, I think that firstly, people who live out in the country areas are actually, they're actually healthier. Yep. Uh, they're not in the, they're not in a city breathing petrol fumes and lead and all that sort of thing all day. So in general, they're probably they're probably fine. But exposure, especially for people who live on farms, you can take that seriously in pregnancy. So uh, accidental um, uh, exposure to, to someone who's been spraying a crop or something is most unlikely to be a clinically significant event if you're just nearby or visiting that farm or something. But handling chemicals, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Mm. What if that's part of your job? Well, then we've got to be um, we've got to be careful. Uh, so, uh, you know, I look I look after chemo nurses who are pregnant who administer chemotherapy, but we wear masks, we we wear gloves, and we're careful. You're listening to the Kick with Dr. Pat and Bridget. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant, in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au.
All right. This is a very popular one. And I think it's because you do do family events on a Sunday and we get a call and um, Martha has just been at Aunt Jude's dinner. Sure. And she's been... (laughs) Martha. (laughs) We don't know any Marthas. No one in their pregnant years is called Martha. Yeah, but anyway. Um, And so they've been at Aunt Jude's and they've eaten something off the buffet table. And now they feel a bit queasy in the tummy. You get those calls a lot, don't you? Yes, so food poisoning and gastroenteritis are both... um, are both uh, potentially significant. There are some forms of um, food poisoning that could happen to anybody, um, and if a pregnant woman gets it, they're going to be sicker, um, more severe, nausea and vomiting, more likely to have a dehydration and a hospital admission. There are a couple of very significant infections like listeria that people concern they might have been exposed to. Thankfully for things like listeria, there's a typical exposure like to unpasteurised uh, milk or to um, uh, part of, an, of a broader listeria outbreak that people might be able to identify to, so we can assess their risk. But um, ordinary food poisoning, yeah, it happens. And if someone does have ordinary food poisoning, is that a call to their healthcare provider? Yeah, I think we should know if a pregnant woman is is um, experiencing a food poisoning type situation. So they're more likely to become dehydrated. They're more likely to need hospital care. And uh, th- that's something that people are going to reach out and do because if you if you're sick from food poisoning and pregnant, that's a that, that's a combo where yeah you you would feel that yeah you really yeah. do feel disgusting yeah um, good and we've talked about falls mm. and we've talked about motor vehicles mm. is there anything else that you want to say about those two things no I think falls should be taken seriously yeah car accidents if a pregnant woman's involved in a car accident even if she doesn't think she's been injured she needs to be assessed in a hospital yeah are we talking like a little like nose to tail I think yes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. I, I don't I don't I don't care. I mean, obviously that's a lot less serious, but I, I I don't think the details are something we should quibble about. I think if you've been in a car accident and you're pregnant, that that's worth being checked over. And when you say checked over, what actually happens? Well, as we said before, we would do an ultrasound check on the baby, make sure the placenta looked okay, make sure the baby was moving, make sure the flow was normal down the cord. There's some blood tests that can be done to establish whether there's any of the fetal blood that's leaked out into the maternal circulation. And that um, that can give us an idea of, of, of how disruptive those forces were to the pregnancy and to the maternal fetal unit, you know, yeah. the, the mother and baby connected. And then uh, in a high-speed situation, that definitely needs very careful uh, assessment and yeah. usually some prolonged observation in the hospital because those injuries are much more likely in a high-speed situation and in particular in a sudden deceleration situation. Yeah, right. Fingers crossed for everybody out there that that doesn't happen. Um, there's another one. Oh, the last one that I've got on my list is uh, if there are any other infections that I've missed in pregnancy that yeah, we're so concerned the, about. Yeah, the things we get phone calls about are exposure to or developing symptoms of the key infections in pregnancy that are known to be a big deal. Uh, so we, we of course, about, about potential chickenpox exposure. Just came home from a party when the kids had chickenpox. Rubella, CMV, herpes, mm. gastroenteritis. Yep. Yeah, so each one of those, is it's, it's a good idea to run those by your care providers. Each one of those has different ramifications for pregnancy. You look at something like chickenpox. We worry about chickenpox if it happens right at the very start of pregnancy or right at the very end. But all the rest of the pregnancy, all of the middle, pregnant chickenpox is irritating but not dangerous. Yeah. Um, but if someone was just diagnosed with pregnancy right at the start and they got chickenpox then, we'd be concerned about that. 
and same if they were within a week or two of delivery. And is that just monitoring? Yeah, there's monitoring, there's blood tests, there's uh, medications and so forth, um, ways of intervening to protect the baby. Right. And we do cover this a little bit more in our Grow My Baby program. Yeah, of course. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Rubella, uh, thankfully, in our community is uh, is is not an issue. There's very very high, very very high levels of uh, vaccination, and if you have a rubella, uh, you know, if you're pregnant, your first lot of blood tests would would have included a rubella check. If you're immune to rubella, doesn't matter if if there's a you know if someone in your community has has got rubella, despite the high levels of vaccination, maybe someone brought it home from overseas trip or something, then uh, you're still going to be protected. So that that one's a relatively easy to manage. Mm. Uh, CMV doesn't have a vaccine, um, um, but uh, around about half of pregnant women are not immune to CMV. So, for example, if a woman had a, had a convincing exposure to CMV, cytomegalovirus, in pregnancy, then we would check her blood to see what her antibody situation was. And then we might check her blood another couple of weeks later, and if she'd gone from from having no antibodies to suddenly having antibodies in the following weeks, that means she was exposed and she's just developed some immunity to it, which would be complicated, and we would then go looking to see if that had had any negative effect on the baby. Yeah, right. So any of these um, infections, mm. I know we've got a lot of second and third time pregnant women listening. Sure. Say they've got their toddler... Yeah. And that toddler's at childcare and they get to the childcare uh, and there's a notice on the door and it says, you know, all those notifications, oh my God, if you're not yeah. there yet, you get so many notifications yeah, yeah. about all the infections at um, daycare. Head lice and parvo virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's say that there's something that we're worried about, like there's been a chicken pox outbreak mm-hmm. and then they start noticing, they've picked up their toddler and their toddler looks a little bit unwell. Yeah. What should the mum do? Is that something, should she isolate or not worry or... Mm. Contact family doctor and get some advice. Um, and and the, there's a pro- for each for each of the different infections, there's a protocol. So um, the the big one from childcare is a slap cheek or parvovirus, um, and we've just we've just got a protocol for that. So we if mum thinks she might have been exposed to parvo, um, then we check her blood and see if she's got any parvo antibodies. If she's protected, she's protected. No dramas. If she's uh, not protected, um, then we would um, check her again a few weeks later. If she'd converted and now suddenly has some antibodies, then yes, she's she's got it. Um, and and uh, she might have felt well, right, well throughout, or she might have got a flu-like illness from it. Uh, in any event, if someone if someone had been proven to have developed parvovirus during the pregnancy, then we would do a bunch of uh, ultrasounds and tests on the feeders to see whether the feeders had been affected by that. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's something that can be treated. I know that this has probably worried people. Like this wasn't this was supposed to be a bit more lighthearted about the phone calls that we get at five pm. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, they, but this is what they're yeah, about. Yeah, this yeah. is what they're about, and that's I suppose why people are panicking mm. is because you know you just sometimes don't know the answer. Yep. But it's getting back to the. Um, main principles of hygiene, isn't it? You know, these sort of things, washing hands, um, you know, that we've all learnt through COVID to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah keeping up our own um, personal hygiene as well. Yep, hand washing is, um, is uh, so important. And then, of course, um, you know, reaching out for some expert advice. Yep. Another tip is if you're still in heels in third trimester, like it might be time to <laughs> ditch the heels. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm thinking about myself. Like I'm tottering around in... in um, in yeah. my first uh, pregnancy in heels still, yeah. thinking, why? Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just thinking of some of the glamorous patients we've got. Some oh, people yes. come in third trimester, you think, wow, you're still still in those heels. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good.
Good. Well, Pat, um, these are all the panic calls that I've heard. Yes. Have I missed any? No, I think we've done pretty well. Yeah. It might be time for... Myth or fact. All right. This is a doozy. This one I see everywhere. Yep. It is your baby's movement slows down just before birth. Myth or fact, Pat? I think we have to say myth. I hate to think that anyone would have seriously reduced or absent fetal movements in the at term plus three days and thought that that was normal. That's, that's not normal. I don't know where this sort of got started, but it might have got started by the fact that the, that the fetal movements might change their character or their quality right at the end. The baby doesn't have tons of room by then. And you might feel more pivots or wriggles or... Um, rolling. Rolling pushing, sensations. Yeah, yeah. Pushing sensations that... that right are, on your pubic bone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that are all fetal movements and they all count. And less of those obvious kicks or punches that, that you get at 28 weeks when there's plenty of water around the baby. Uh, compared to how much baby there is. At term, there's tons of baby and relatively little water and the, and you, the baby probably doesn't have enough room to get a decent kick up and going. But but they got to be moving. They've got to tell you that they're there and they've got to give you a reassuring number of, of fetal movements per day for you to be happy. Yeah, and otherwise call your health. Call your, your, the place where you're going to have the baby. The bottom line is that you cannot go to sleep on absent fetal movements. Good. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. We'll see you in the next show. All right. Talk to you next time.